God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation, and may God give us wisdom and courage as we try to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Amen. We've been, um, for the last four weeks, four weeks, five weeks, five weeks, we've been talking about this idea of why. And we started off talking about, uh, we showed Simon Sinek's video of his famous golden circle talk, uh, famous TED talk, where in the center of it is the word why, and then there is uh, what, and then there is how. And he talks about like the people who know their why are the people who have a following, are the people who make a big difference in the world, are the people who can step out boldly and do things that they are called to do. He says that Apple computers, for instance, knows their why. Their why is to be a disruptive force that rethinks the way everything is done. How they, what they do is they make computers, and telephones, and it used to be MP3 players, and TV devices, and all sorts of other things. They do that in a well-designed way, things that just simply work and that inspire us even by looking at them and have actually changed the way that technology is used in the world today. And the how they do that is, would you like to buy one? <laughs> then he goes on to talk about Martin Luther King Jr. And that his why was to make sure that every human being is treated with the dignity that they deserve at birth, regardless of their race, regardless of their class, regardless at the end of his life, he started talking about orientation. The human dignity must be given to all people. His why was so strong that thousands upon thousands of people gathered on the National Mall in Washington one hot, humid August day to listen to him and give a speech called, I have a dream, not I have a plan. They were inspired by his why, not his what. We finished off that morning by showing a video of a man who was asked to sing Amazing Grace sing it beautifully, and then he was told, now sing it, like your uncle just got out of prison, like you were shot in the back, like the street version, and he closed his eyes and he, know, he found his why for singing it, and it changed the whole song. Our lives are changed by our why. So then we talked about prayer, and we talked about gifts and service, and today we're going to be talking about presence. So in the United Methodist Church, we have this theme, this five-pronged theme, prayer, presence, gifts, service, and witness, that help us grow in our faith. And why in the world would we ever want to grow in our faith? Well, I want to grow in my faith because I want to be the person that God created me to be. I want to have this deep relationship with Jesus to where I can trust Jesus enough to walk on water if I'm called to walk on water, which I hope I'm never called to walk on water because <laughs> when we remain in the presence, you're going to hear that word presence a lot this morning. When we remain in the presence of Jesus Christ, we begin to think and to act like Jesus. It is impossible for us to live in close communion with any person and not take on some qualities and characteristics of that person. When I was a kid, sometimes I would say things, and my parents would say, where did you get that from? 
and I would always tell my mom or dad. <laughs> but they would also say, where did you get that from? And it would be from some friend at school who had said some word that I thought sounded cool, so now I decided to try it out. And have you ever had that experience where you say something and you feel like you look like somebody that you're friends with when you say it? Like, it just gets that weird, like, maybe my body posture changes to be like them or something? Am I the, tell me I'm not the only one. You're the only one. Like, you just kind of, you, you say a phrase and you're like, oh, that's, I said that just like David Costas, you know, like, you have this strange feeling. We cannot spend a lot of time in close communion with people without taking on characteristics of those people, including Jesus. And to live with Jesus, what should happen is we should start having our lives marked by qualities that mark his life. So things like unqualified love, obedience to God, unconditional love of neighbor and radical selflessness. Those are the sorts of things that when we spend time with Jesus, we start to put on those characteristics. So our purpose for being present in the United Methodist prayer, presence, gift, service, and witness, I used to think that it was about, oh, you're going to join the church. Will you pledge your prayer, presence, gift, service, and witness? Will you, will you pray for us? Will you be here on Sunday mornings? Like, all of that stuff is, yeah, it's all of that, but it's more. Will you be present? When you're here, will you be here? And when you're at work, can you be at work? And when you're with your friends having coffee or drinks, can you be with them and not be somewhere else scattered? And especially when you're at home with the people who live in your house with you, can you be with them? Will you be with them? Will you be present? Because it's in the present and recognizing the Spirit of God in the present that we're changed. That we begin to take on those marks that Jesus had on his life. This text of Peter walking on the water happens right after another miracle. Happens right after the feeding of the multitude. So Jesus and his disciples are gathered. This large crowd comes around them. It gets to be late. They start being hungry. And the disciples come to Jesus. And they're like, hey, we got to feed these people. And he's like, you people, what, what's this week? And you feed them. We don't have enough food. And he's like, what is that? So he blesses the food and they start to share. Now, I don't know if it's like some sort of incredible supernatural miracle that happens where like, I take a chunk of bread and a piece of fish and it automatically gets replaced. Or maybe the miracle is that Jesus inspired people to share what they have for the common good. That would be a miracle even in and of itself. <coughs> Regardless of what happened, everyone had enough to eat. And, a, and then it says, right then, about 5,000 men plus women and children had eaten. Right then, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat go ahead to the other side of the lake while he offered a benediction to the crowd. They get in the boat. They go out into the lake. Jesus has decided he's going to spend some time alone in prayer, meditation, decompression, whatever it is that he had to do after being around all of those people. His disciples are out in a boat, and this storm comes along. The boat is being battered by wind. 
They're, they're fighting the wind, the boat's rocking back and forth. Matthew, the tax collector, hasn't spent much time in the boat. He's throwing up over the side. Peter's calling him names. Like, it gets messy. And then all of a sudden, somebody notices that there is somebody walking on the water. They look out. They recognize that it's either Jesus or a ghost. So they say, hey, are you Jesus or are you a ghost? Either way, the answer is going to be Jesus, right? Like a ghost is going to be like, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> so Peter says, if it's really you, tell me to get out of the boat. He says, it's me. Get out of the boat. In the Greek, he says, I am. So Peter gets out of the boat and starts to walk on water. Why is this important? Well, Jesus is God, so he should be able to walk on water. But Peter, Peter is rich Tyler. <laughs> you know, Peter, Peter is Tyler Bird. Peter is anybody in this room. He gets out of the boat and he walks on the water. And the reason he can do that is because he has spent the time with Jesus. I told you uh, this story before, but I'll tell it again just to put it in context. Here was a fisherman. He probably wasn't a good student because he was a fisherman, not that fishermen weren't smart. But in the ancient Near East, boys growing up wanted to be rabbis. If Luke Matherly could answer, Luke, when you grow up, what do you want to be? Meteorologist. What? Meteorologist. Meteorologist? Is that after your football career? <laughs> yeah, see, like most boys are like, I want to be a football player, I want to be this, I want to be that. Boys growing up in the ancient Near East wanted to be rabbis. So around the time they were 13, the rabbi would come and they'd spend time with the kids and they would figure out who the smart ones were. And they were the ones who they thought, like, this person could grow up to do the work I can do. They would say, come follow me. None of Jesus' disciples had that experience. They were all like average C students, struggled to get C sometimes. They just weren't the A-list people. But Jesus saw something in them the main Jesus think that guy can do what I can do. So he calls Peter, says, come follow me. Fast forward a year or so, and Peter is doing what Jesus can do. He's walking on water. But he starts to doubt. And my question is, does he doubt Jesus? Or does he doubt himself? Either way, he starts to sink. You ever have that feeling? Things are going the way you think they should be going. You're moving right along. You feel close to God, like things are going pretty good in your life. And then you just start sinking. I uh, have discovered that I struggle around the time of the fall time change. Like emotionally, I struggle. It's like this dark cloud, my head gets stuck in it, and something akin to depression, it probably is depression, it's seasonal depression. All right, it's seasonal depression, I'll admit it. <laughs> and this last 
time, it was rough. Man, I was in a funk. And I, I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. And I was praying, and I was reading my Bible, and I was throwing temper tantrums at home, and I was a grump here at the office. Like, I, it was just, I, I couldn't get myself out of this thing. And I was talking to my spiritual director because pastors have to have pastors also, and we have to pay for them. <laughs> and so I was talking to my spiritual director, and she was like, look, I know I've been telling you you should journal. It seems like that's not going to happen. And I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and she said that you need to be doing a daily sit with God. Every human being ought to be able to sit down for five minutes and be in silence and just recognize the presence of God. But you, Ross, need to do it for at least ten. And she said that when people say, okay, well, why? And she said, well, the why is, if you knew that God was waiting for you to sit in that chair, wouldn't you just go sit in the chair? And when she said, when people asked her, well, what happens? Like, if I'm sitting in the chair, what's God going to do about this? It's none of your business what God is going to do. Sit in the chair and let God do what God is going to do. So I'm developing this rule of life. It's an idea that goes back to monasticism, and there's this movement called new monasticism where Christians of all varieties and flavors are developing their own rules of life, their own way of saying, this is the path I want to grow on. And I may wander around on this path, but this is the path I'm going to be on. This is the rule that I measure myself with. And so for me, I'm starting off with the card that's in all of your worship bulletins that has prayer, presence, gifts, service, and witness on it. Those are the five things that I really want to lean into so that I can grow in my faith and grow to be the person that God wants me to be. But I'm also going to add some things in, like I'm going to sit every day of every week. And one day of every week, I'm going to sit for longer, or I might go for a walk in silence, or I might do something else that might take, instead of 10 minutes or 20 minutes, might take an hour. And then once a month, I'm going to take half a day to maybe an entire day. And then once a quarter, I may take a couple of days. And then once a year, I might take a week to just be in the presence. I want to be in the presence of God to the point to where God says, get out and walk. I trust that I can get out and walk. And I want to be so close to Jesus that when I start doubting, he can just grab me and pull me back up. Or when my head gets in that funk, I know he's in there with me. Because here's the thing, we may doubt Jesus. And we may doubt ourselves. But Jesus will never doubt you. Let me say that again. doubt Jesus and you may doubt yourself but he will never ever doubt you. Did you know you can't let God down? 
life gone down, we need to talk about your theology because you're not holding God up. God is not dependent on you. Don't be so proud to think that God needs you. God wants you. You cannot let God down because you're not holding God up. God is holding us up and will never let us down. So, take a look at that card. Read it. Think about it. Think about adding those things into your life in some form or fashion. Maybe a daily sit is your prayer and presence portion. Maybe coming to church and singing as loud as you can, like you were singing just now, is your service portion. Because, like I've said before, so last week I was in Truth or Consequences, and my least favorite hymn of all time is Wash My Hands. Lord of the Dance. Ooh, I hate that song. Uh, and you want to know what we sang in Truth or Consequences last week? Lord of the Dance. And I sang it as loud as I could. Because I know there are people who love that stupid song. They'll, like, two hands up. And I'm going to sing it loud because I know that Dale connects with the Spirit of God through singing that song. And if everybody's like, this is stupid, I'm not singing that. So maybe service is being here and singing loud. <coughs> maybe gifts are the way that you love your family and the people next to you. Maybe witnessing is inviting people to be part of your growth group or coming to church with you. Or just saying, like, hey, I'll pray for you right now. Develop a rule of life because we need to be intentional in how we hope to grow in our discipleship and add into it whatever you would like. But there's your cheat sheet to get you started on a rule of life. Friends, the presence thing is hard. I, I have to, like, I can't even put my phone on silent because it'll go. Mm right in the middle of when I feel like I'm finally like being able to be in the moment. It's hard to drive down the road and be present and recognize the Spirit of God in those moments because I come up Highway 70 every day and people are idiots out there. <coughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like we have to be intentional. We have to find a place. We have to find a time. And we can't beat ourselves up about it. We can't go into it with high expectations. We just go and we sit and we, we allow our breath to be a word that calls us into the moment. And we do all of that because we want to be soaked in the Spirit of God and carry 